This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair Lavora Barnes. Welcome back to Party on the Peninsulas. I'm Lavora Barnes. The word this week, danger. There's an old saying, beware of a wolf in sheep's clothing. After three weeks of chaos, Republicans in the U.S. House lined up 100% behind an unknown Louisiana backbencher, Michael Johnson, as Speaker. Johnson had unanimous support for Speaker only after Donald Trump instructed Republicans to oppose the member they nominated hours earlier, Minnesota's Tom Emmer. Emerson, he publicly recognized that Joe Biden was elected in a fair and honest election. To Trump, that's all he needs to hear to attack someone. Johnson has a charming, low-key demeanor, but his political views are anything but. He's a radical right extremist, anti-choice, anti-LGBTQ, and even openly anti-democracy. Based on his political record, the soft-spoken MAGA Mike Johnson poses a threat to our democratic system of government. Johnson still doesn't admit that Joe Biden won the 2020 election, which he has repeatedly said was stolen. He openly promotes the same lies that led to three Trump attorneys pleading guilty to election fraud-related charges. Johnson led efforts in the U.S. House to have the Supreme Court overturn Biden's decisive victory in Michigan and three other states. When that failed, he joined the majority of House Republicans in voting against certifying Biden's victory. On the day of Johnson's elevation to the most powerful position in Congress, His Republican colleagues booed a reporter who asked about Johnson's leadership in trying to overturn the election. They even told the reporter to shut up. They're totally under the thumb of the man accused of 91 different crimes in four courts. What could it mean for democracy? Consider this scenario. It's January 6, 2025. After still another close election, Joe Biden prevails again in the Electoral College vote. But the House of Representatives operating under instructions from Donald Trump and implemented by MAGA Mike Johnson votes to reject the results from one or more swing states, denying Biden the Electoral College majority. Without any candidate getting 270 electoral votes, the president is then chosen by the House, with each state getting one vote. That means Wyoming's one congressman's vote is equal to the combined votes of the 53 from California or the 13 from Michigan. Under that scenario, despite losing the popular vote for a third time, Donald Trump would be reinstated in the White House, possibly as a convicted criminal. Far-fetched? It shouldn't even be a possibility. But with all the Republicans in the House operating under orders from Donald Trump and Michael Johnson as Speaker, it could happen. So what do we do? We start by holding Michigan's six Republican members accountable for endorsing an election denier as their leader. With that vote, none of them is worthy of the honor of representing our state. And we need to retake the majority in the House so that Hakeem Jeffries is Speaker of the House on January 6, 2025. We do that by increasing our majority in the Michigan delegation and holding Debbie Stabenow's seat in the Senate. The mission is clear. In Michigan, legislative Democrats are working on issues that impact families across our pleasant peninsulas. One increasingly discussed issue is the impact of fighting climate change on jobs and our economy. Change can be frightening. The transition of our major industry from 
internal combustion engines to EVs is happening. That decision has been made by the manufacturers. What does it mean for their employees and other industries that could be impacted by clean energy initiatives? New legislation has been introduced focused on that challenge. We'll be talking with one of the sponsors of that legislation. But first, an update on some of the other stories on politics and policies we're following this week with MDP's Dorian Tyatt. In the news this week, Democrats in the state Senate have passed legislation to repeal a law requiring an extra insurance rider for coverage of abortions. Senate Bill 593, sponsored by Senator Erica Geis from Taylor, is part of an overall package aimed at repealing rules approved when Republicans led the legislature that advocates say are designed to limit access. The bill passed Thursday in a 2018 vote along party lines. Business groups are lining up against Democratic bills in the legislature mandating paid family leave. The measures provide up to 15 weeks for workers in the state to receive pay while they take time off work to care for a newborn child, a sick parent, or other medical emergencies regardless of company policy. Saying she was alarmed by the allegations against MSU board chair, Rima Vassar, Governor Whitmer is considering proposals to make the governing boards of Michigan State, the University of Michigan, and Wayne State University appointed positions. For now, the governor says, she will be watching the board of trustees closely before taking action to remove a trustee or change the Michigan Constitution. According to audio obtained by the MSU student newspaper, her office discussed changing the current system that selects the trustees outlined in the Michigan Constitution. All other public universities in the state have a board that is appointed by the governor. Michigan is among the 33 states suing social media company Meta in federal court, alleging the company's business model seeks to exploit young users for profit on Facebook and Instagram. Attorney General Dana Nessel signed onto a lawsuit filed today in the Northern District of California, seeking a court to order the social media behemoth to change its practices, as well as provide any potential restitution if a court deems the damages necessary. In total, 33 attorneys general signed on to the lawsuit, and nine others will file lawsuits against Meta in their own states, according to New York Attorney General Letitia James Offit. After years of legal dispute, a long-standing ban on offering paid rides to the polls for voters may soon end in Michigan. Voting along party lines, the Michigan Senate on Tuesday passed a House bill repealing a ban on hiring drivers to escort voters to polling places unless they are physically unable to walk. The bill will soon head to Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who likely will back the repeal. The existing ban is 1895 law believed to be the only one of its kind left in the country. Former Detroit chief of police, James Craig's Senate campaign, is already in turmoil with a little more than two weeks after he launched his bid. The Michigan Messenger report that Craig's campaign manager, August Anticio, resigned on October 20th, 17 days after Craig launched his bid. Anticio told the Messenger, quote, I resigned due to differing opinions on the strategic direction of the campaign. Craig's deputy manager, Joe Petrella, resigned for similar reasons. 
The resignations are a repeat of what happened in Craig's short-lived gubernatorial campaign in 2022 when two campaign managers left. Craig's campaign was cut short when he failed to submit enough valid petition signatures to get on the primary ballot. Attorney General Dana Nessel's office has dismissed the charges against one of the 16 people who allegedly signed a document falsely claiming Donald Trump won the state's electoral votes in 2020 during an effort to overturn the results of the election. The decision came after the alleged fake elector, James Ritter, agreed to, quote, cooperate fully with the Attorney General's investigation. Ritter was charged with eight felony counts, including election law forgery and conspiracy to commit election law forgery. At a court hearing Thursday morning, Assistant Attorney General LaDonna Logan moved to drop all charges, quote, based on an agreement between the parties. Links to these stories and other articles of interest are on our website, partyonthepeninsulas.com. From Michigan Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tyler. Thank you, Dorian. According to Bridge, Michigan, nearly 20% of the jobs in our state are tied to auto manufacturing. Even more jobs are connected to electric power generation. Both are undergoing major transitions. Autos from gas powered to electric, power generation from coal and natural gas to renewables. The legislature is considering bills that would establish an economic transition office focused on helping workers and communities facing job losses related to those transitions. One of the sponsors of the bills is Flushing State Representative Jasper Martis. He talked with our Walt Sorg about a pro-worker economic transition office in the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity. Representative Martis, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Your bill really is forward thinking, looking to help people address something that never ends, and that's changing technologies, which means a changing jobs market. How would this be structured in state government? The idea was brought to me by a lot of my friends in labor, and I felt like it really spoke to my community and the reason I decided to run which is I'm at an age now where there's a lot of folks in my community who are a little bit older, a little bit younger. They graduate from high school, college, or trade school. They move somewhere else. They go to another part of the state, another part of the country. And the reason for that is decades of underinvestment in Genesee County, but community and in mid-Michigan more broadly. So when this idea of an office of economic transition was brought to me, I... I got a little bit verklempt. I got a tear in my eye just thinking about the possibilities here because I, I want us to be able to combat climate change. It's something that I think is an existential threat to not just our state, but our country and our world. Uh, but we need to do it in such a way that empowers workers, make sure no workers are left behind, and that we're really making sure that advancements in technology don't come at the expense. We've had a changing economy for as even long before Adam Smith wrote The Wealth of Nations, but oftentimes that comes with a lot of growing pains and that comes with a lot of communities being left behind. You look at Genesee County with a lot of the transitions with in the automotive industry, whether you're talking about technological changes or changes in our global economy. I think this is an opportunity with this office to make sure that the transition to green energy a smoother transition, uh, but it's also righting a lot of those historic wrongs 
of the bottom dollar being chosen over communities like mine. Yeah, you've referenced, of course, the tremendous trauma that uh, the Genesee Valley has gone through with the transition in the auto industry. It takes fewer people to make cars and with electric vehicles, even fewer, which has been a big issue in the current strike. Thankfully, it is at least partially over now with uh, Ford coming to a settlement. But it is something that's got a lot of auto workers, you know, in their 30s, their 40s, and especially their 50s, very concerned. What am I going to do? I don't have this, the new skills that are going to be necessary. How will you be able to help them? So I often say that before my community was associated with the Flint water crisis, it was associated with Michael Moore's documentary, Roger. And I take these issues of job loss very seriously. Even the idea of that being a potential outcome. I take that very seriously because that's what my community has gone through. That's what my family has experienced. And, and, and we got to make sure that these uh, progressive changes that I'm excited about don't come at the expense of any sort of workers. So uh, I, I would say to a lot of those folks that are concerned about the transition, whether it's to electric vehicles or other forms of green energy, that number one, these efforts are not coming from government mandates. These decisions are being made by the private sector. You see the embracement of electric vehicles and green energy and a lot of these changes already occurring because the business community has decided that is what is good at business. So I would dispel that notion that a lot of these transitions are being forced in any way by the state government or the federal government, number one. Number two, I would make sure that we are tying this fight for climate to the creation of jobs. That's been one of the biggest mistakes, whether intentional or not, with a lot of the climate change discourse over the past 15, 20 years has been this false choice that we can either save our planet or we can save our workers. False choice. Uh, making sure that we communicate that in a way that locks those two together. And number three, demonstrating a lot of the amazing things that can come out of this. Six or seven years ago, there were a lot of New York Times op-eds saying, coal miners, why don't we just turn them into coders as if making that transition was as easy as writing an op-ed. Not very difficult to do those sorts of things. And so what an office like this would do is make sure that people have those resources and have those opportunities to move to better paying jobs, to move to cleaner and safer jobs, not in any way that is talking down to them or forcing things on them. But a lot of what this office would do would bring together a lot of the resources already out there, whether you're talking about programs in the state government, some opportunities coming at the federal level, or whether what a lot of our partners in either uh, the labor movement or in private businesses are already doing with workforce development and training. So letting them know that this isn't reinventing the wheel, this isn't forcing them to do anything uh, that they don't feel comfortable with, it's making sure uh, that we're bringing together all those opportunities and that they have that support system that they need. Well, we went through this transition more than a century ago when we went from horse and buggy to automobiles, and that seemed to work out pretty well, uh, just as we have survived the transition from uh, records to first tapes and cassettes and then CDs and now streaming audio. Do you see the same potential for this transition to green energy? Is it in fact going to be a job creator in your mind? 
I do. I will say I have something right here. Here, here. One of my just found me a, a T Rex album lately. So while I mostly listen to listening to Spotify and Apple Music and whatnot, I, I am a big vinyl guy. Um, but you, but you're right. There have been, been a lot of people who have made that comparison to we we went through the the horse and buggy transition to having cars. But the mistake a lot of people have made is they've said, oh, but that transition was fine. That was something that was very simple. Um, you know, I think that when we're looking at our history books, uh, we a lot of times simplify and gloss over a lot of the more difficult moments. That was a huge transition in our economy. And I think we the difference now compared to some of those transitions, whether you're talking about moving towards cars a century ago, or some of those other problems with trade deals in the 1990s is we've shifted the narrative. I call it the Great Lakes consensus. When COVID hit and there were so many supply chains that got shut down because we were were relying on companies and countries halfway overseas, the rest of the country woke up to this idea that we need to invest here in the the United States and in the Midwest more broadly, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania. We've known that from day one. We've known that in our bones. We've experienced what happens when that doesn't happen. But that problem of inflation and supply chain issues, I think, woke up the rest of the country. So that's why I think this opportunity is different with this transition of our economy is we understand what communities that are left behind, the damage that it does to them the way it's inflicted on families and the most vulnerable members of our community. We've known that already, but I think a lot of the power brokers now across the country understand that. And that's why there's an appetite for programs like this. The Office of Economic Transition is modeled after what's been done in a number of other states already, both red states and blue states. So uh, I'd like to see some more movement at the federal level nationally. But what we're working on here in Michigan is making sure that transition does not mirror a lot of the mistakes that we've made in history. And as you said at the very beginning of our conversation, it's forward-looking. We've been talking in terms of the impact of moving to a greener uh, energy system, a greener economy. Uh, But tangential to this is the job shifting that's going to happen because of artificial intelligence. Will, will uh, Will this office deal with that issue as well? As it's currently written, it, it's primarily based on the transition to green energy and also the automotive industry. When this was brought to me, I, again, I was very excited about it, but I was only going to take it on and, and partner with my friend, uh, Senator Sam Singh in the Senate if the automotive industry was included because uh, my district doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of coal miners, but it does have a lot of uh, automotive work. So the legislation as written, it's primarily focused on the energy sector and the automotive sector, but Senator Singh and myself are both open to making sure that we include as many jobs and sectors of the economy as possible. This was asked of us in both Senate and House testimonies, and, and I can speak for him because we were both on record in those testimonies that we are happy to open that up to be more inclusive. There was, I wish I could give the person credit, but just just a few weeks ago, there was a person who made a point about AI. It was a wonderful quote that said a lot that a lot of people are afraid of being replaced by AI, 
and this individual, I wish I could give credit, the name escapes me, but they said, you won't be replaced by AI, but you will be replaced by a person who knows how to use AI. And of course, like any other transition in the economy, like we've been talking about for the past few minutes, there's a worry about job loss, but I do think that there are some ways that we can flaunt that and make sure that transition is smooth as well. Representative Jasper Martis, thank you so much for your insights and for your leadership on what's a very difficult and frightening issue for many, but also a very exciting prospect for the future. Thank you for taking the time. That's our report for this week. Our thanks to Representative Jasper Martis for joining us and especially his work on making sure Michigan's great workforce is positioned to prosper from the Green Revolution. I'm Lavora Barnes. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Paid for by the Michigan Democratic Party, 606 Townsend, Lansing, Michigan, 48933.